Did I tell you how good it is to worship with you in this place? It really is. And I hope everybody, I hope everybody senses that. It's just good to be in God's house. There's a question I sometimes ask my students when I ask them, you know, where, where do you go to church? Uh, or, or, you know, it's just the wrong question really to ask. When I ask people about their church, many say, well, I attend there, I go there. You know, that's the wrong answer. That's what you do with ball games and movie theaters, right? Uh, you ask, what about your church? You say, I belong there. That's the answer for that. So we are part of that. And I want to just highlight again what, what uh, I've said so many times in other ways. When I ask, for example, people say, why do I go there? And I say, well, I just like the music there. Or I like this or that there. And I say, well, what if God hates it? It's not that I think God has a preference for one kind of music over another or one kind of style over another. The problem is they never even thought of that. Yes? We go for what we like. We're not the audience. He is. Yes? And so we want to turn to him and, and do that. And so, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I hope we catch that in the, in the strongest way. We're here to worship our Lord, to hear him speak to us and to send us out. And, of course, in that process, we come to know each other and, and to find that spiritual strength. If we leave a church and haven't met with God in a strong way, we need to reconnect uh, in an even stronger way. So I want to talk to you a little bit about, we call it uh, faith-sharing Believers, It has to do with some of the things that we have dealt with earlier. Uh, we've kind of been on this string since the new year began on faith and focus and, and the meaning of life and, and finding how God infuses all aspects of that. And I thought today maybe I could begin to uh, by giving a comment on, on quality. I kind of hinted at that last uh, Sunday that we are very fuzzy when it comes to so many things. Uh, in, in the Christian church, we said, well, we want this, but what does that look like? What is that about? And if I say quality, you know, that's a changing concept, right? It used to be we looked for features when you bought things. Does it have these features? Now, not so much anymore. People are being quality conscious. And then we'll say, what does that mean? Well, that's not an easy concept anymore. It used to be something that just lasted long. But that's no longer the case. Now we want to know exactly we become customers that are, that are price conscious always, I guess, but also politically conscious. Where is this made? Who made it? Are they decent people? Do they violate human rights? We, we want to know where these things come from. Is this organic? Can we trust that this comes from, from, uh, you know, Chicken that have not been cased or, or cows that have been grass fed or are you hearing what I'm saying? We are conscious on so many levels with so many things when we, when we talk about quality. So when you buy a plastic bucket, where is that made? When you drink a glass of water or a you know, bottle of water, there better not be BPA in that plastic, right? We're conscious about these things. It better be labeled right, explaining everything that we know can be there because we care 
about honesty. We care about integrity. We care about what we're expressing is for real, that we buy what we actually think we're buying and not something else. Yes? So it's not enough that a steak tastes good. We want to make sure that the cow was treated right before it became a steak. There's more to that than you would think, right? So let us ask this question. So what does quality look like when we talk about life? Are you a quality person? How would you know? What does that look like? Or even more important, are you a quality Christian? How would you know? What, what would that look like? What are the things that matter for that? Are we a quality church? What would that look like? We all want to just say yes. But here, that, that word Christian, as I mentioned last time, and then we'll read the text. I'm just going to say that. It's not a noun that just names a certain kind of cultural experience or even just names some, some mental convictions of sort. The word Christian is a verb, really, that explains a relationship, even a dependency on a particular person. His name is Jesus Christ. It expresses a certain attitude and perspective of life and priorities that are given to life. It is a way that explains, underscores, highlights, whatever you will, a certain kind of behavior that comes with the dependency we have on Christ. So Paul writes, the very last letter he writes, probably just a couple of weeks before he was decapitated in the second Roman imprisonment, he writes that to his dear, dear friend and mentee in ministry, Timothy. And here's what he says. Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. If you, you can follow it on the screen, if you need to find it in Scripture, you get all the way to the back and you get to some longer book called Hebrews, you're a little bit too far. Just flip back a little bit. You, therefore, my son, be strong, or better translated, find, uh, be made strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful people who will also be able to teach others. You know, I grew up Baptist church overseas. It was part of the way uh, we did things, and I thought very meaningfully that every time someone came to Christ and was baptized and therefore also became a member of the church, since these things are interconnected so clearly, we had a word that became our word. This was my word. My dad was, was the pastor. I was 16 years old, actually, when it happened. And I still remember his voice almost vibrating when he read those words over me before the prayer. And he said, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. There's something about this that is important, right? Where do we find our strength? 
We are bombarded daily by all kinds of kind of sense impressions. We, we are bombarded by information, even sometimes contrary information about the exact same event. We, we are bombarded with emotional kind of challenges, with isolations, with loneliness, with, with all kinds of things that, that are challenging us in a way now that it used not to maybe in the same way. Demands from the job, from the family, and impossible tasks placed before us. In other words, we are human beings for better or worse. And so the question is, where do we find the strength? For daily living. Maybe I could ask it a different way. Does it matter where we find the strength? And the answer is yes. Not all places of strength have the same kind of quality. That is why Paul locates this very clearly. He says, find your strength or be made strong. Where? In the grace or through the grace of Jesus Christ. That's where strength flows with genuine quality. And if you look at this right here, and, and if you have your Bible open, if not, you know, look at it maybe at a later point. The verses that just precede the two verses I read here, Paul is speaking about someone called Onesimophorus, right? Onesimophorus, uh, Stands out. He had just talked about a whole lot of folks that, that just kind of left him and deserted him and spoke against him. And he said, may the Lord, though, have grant mercy to the household of Nisiphorus, because he often refreshed me or induced new courage to me. It's another way of translating that word. And he was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when uh, he was in Rome, he diligently searched for me and he found me where? In the prison. Not a good place to search for a friend, right? May the Lord grant uh, that he obtain mercy from him on that day. You know very much how he ministered also in Ephesus. And then he goes on to these verses. It is as if he is saying, my friend Timothy, I just gave you an example of what genuine quality type Personality, someone who had found grace, uh, found strength in the grace of God, looks like. So therefore, my friend, therefore, you do the same. Find your strength in the grace of Jesus. So here we are. There's something always intriguing to me. Maybe it's a generational thing. I'm not so sure. But when I see an imperative... A command, so to speak. I always kind of shrink back. Nobody's going to tell me. You all are like that? Well, not you're not like my students, right? You, you, which is a good thing sometimes. No, anyway, just kidding. Uh, here's the reality with this. Biblical imperatives are always uh, expressions of love. They are never depersonalized. It's not like a traffic rule or tax law or something like that. They always come as someone handed, something handed to you from someone who loves you. It's like a mother, in a sense, that tells a little bitty child, don't play with that knife, you will hurt yourself. 
It is, it is like someone saying to a small child, do not touch that stove is burning hot. It's a command, but it comes from a place of love and it doesn't come just from a rule uh, that says do this and don't do this because I don't want it. That's the way imperatives work in scripture. Every time you see an imperative uh, in the New Testament like that, you can know this to be the truth. It is like a good father. God speaks to us out of deep love and his commands come with this, this, this guidance, this promise that if you follow this, it will be good for you in every way. It will bring new strength. See the strength that God desires to grant us human beings, all of us, is a strength to trust his grace. Boy, those words are way easier to say than to actually live. I'm just saying. It is to actually, genuinely learn to lean on his promises. So when you're faced with temptations, and I mean real deep temptations that may fulfill some longings that are happening in your head, but you know this is not the will of God. You say no, and they say why? And you say because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. When you see that strength that flows from this place called grace, you will see new opportunities they will develop new perspectives, new personality traits in your life that you thought were not possible. And new love will conjure up, even well up in your inner being. And new relationship to your fellow human beings will happen when you learn that difficult thing to truly find strength from God's grace. Notice what happens to Timothy. It's quite a study in, in, in something very special here. We're talking about real strength, friends. You want to know what is real strength? This is real strength. Listen to what happens to Timothy. Timothy, we know from different places, we're not really a strong person. We know he struggled with health. We know he, he struggled with uh, timidity. He, he was shy. Uh, he didn't have a forceful personality in any way. But now imagine this. God offers him the possibility of strength. What kind of encouragement would that be to his timid soul, so to speak? Why would it be possible for him to know this? And we see already, if you read scripture and you kind of feel and follow what's going on there, you see new personality traits were already developing within him. He became pastor of this fantastic church that we see right here. And how was that possible? Because he listened to Paul when he says, find your grace or be, be made strong by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. See, if that has just been an encouragement for him to be strong in himself, just find strength inside of yourself, Paul might as well have told a snail to be quick, right? Or, or a horse to fly. 
There was no way Timothy could find that kind of strength within himself. We try to do that. And so much of all this, you know, self-help kind of stuff is out there. Just be strong. We go, where should that come from? Paul says, I know. From the grace that is in Christ. If you want to know what life quality is, that's quality of life, yes? That truly is quality of life. We have allowed so many things, the world, the TV, the whatever is around us to define what quality of life is. And some will, will, will define it in terms of financial ability, some will in terms of prestige, some in terms of recognition, some in terms of fame, some in terms of whatever. And Paul says, no, real, genuine quality of life is found in your connection and your relationship to Jesus Christ. God desires to give you that kind of, for lack of a better way of saying it, label that explains who you are, right? You want to know what you buy? This is it. Me, label, belong to Christ, infused by his presence. Two of you heard that. Come on. That's where we are with this. What you thought might have been impossible in your life can come to happen and become a reality. Forgiveness that you didn't even know existed. Either you forgiving yourself or ability to forgive others that you felt were unforgivable Love that you didn't know exists, a depth you had not recognized before, grace toward other people that you think, wow, where is this coming from? Service, ability, interest in trying to be God's hands and feet. Where is that coming from? Strength that is found in the grace that comes from Jesus Christ. And now look how he just flips it. It's kind of an intriguing kind of switch he does. It's like he, between verse 1, he just said, this is the basis. And now in verse 2, this is what it looks like. You become a true faith-sharing believer. What you have heard me speak, even you heard it with many witnesses around, you are to commit and trust, if you will, to other People were faithful. And that word faithful is kind of an intriguing word. We have become also accustomed to just uh, equating that with someone that stays with something for a long time. Like it's a matter of duration. It's not really. This word is a matter of being trustworthy, filled with faith or firm in the faith, if you will. That's the content of that word. So what Jesus is saying here, and what Paul is saying here about the faith, is exactly that they are someone who can be trusted. Someone whose life is so filled with faith it becomes obvious. In fact, the background for this is probably what he said about himself just in a few verses up in verse 12, in, in verse 12 of chapter 1, right here when he says, you know, I was pointing to the gospel and that's why I'm suffering. But I'm not ashamed. 
This will be the normal pattern that day. I'm in jail, so I should be ashamed of that. But I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. I'm persuaded that he's able to guard whatever has been trusted to me. Trustworthy. Faith-filled and firm in his conviction. Those are the kind of people that, that you need to say. It's the same word. Jesus used the exact same word. Remember when, when he's telling a parable and, and several have gotten different kinds of, of talents to be entrusted to them while the master was out. And those who have treated them right, he comes back, the master does, and he says, well done, you what? Faithful servant. Same word right here. Faith-filled, trustworthy one that could be due. And you wonder, why is it that that word is, is used right here? Why is that what he highlights? He could have highlighted so many things. And I think it's because Paul is his mentor here. And he realizes this. This, these people that, that Timothy would pour himself into here, it would be those that, that could be fully trusted. Those that would stay with him in the ministry even when things were tough and they, they might be, be full of suffering. They would stay with him. They would be to him what he was to Paul, so to speak. Faith-sharing people. When other people looked to them and they saw, here's something that they need for them to share. With me and you yourself will realize there's something I must share with my friends and my neighbors, my workmates, and so on. So what does that look like? Well, Paul rounds this up by saying these people, and by the way, some of your translations may have the word commit to faithful men. That's just a mistranslation. I'm sorry. It just is. That word means a mixed group, right? It is human beings, people, men and women. But not that that's a big point here, but, but it is what he says. It's just so that nobody misunderstands. So what, what happens here is simply this. He is saying they need to be able to teach others. In our modern mind, we go straight to pedagogical abilities. Someone who can speak from a platform or someone who can teach in a Sunday school class or, or at least do some of that kind of stuff. That's not what he's talking about at all. It is not about pedagogical ability. This is purely about the quality of being willing to share what you know. John, another apostle of Jesus, would say, say straight up like this, what our eyes have seen, what our hands have touched, what we have pondered, that's the word of God that we've gone to give to you. You can look it up. He opens his very first letter with these words. That's it. No special education, no particular abilities, no special gifting. Simply, this is for people who don't want to hold what they have been given from God to themselves, but wants to share it. What you've seen, what you've heard, what you've pondered, what you've been allowed to touch, that you want to share with others. That's quality, friends. 
That's life quality. That's Christian quality. And so the question is simply this. As you seek strength, and we all do, we live lives with everything that is there, as I have already mentioned. Where do you seek for that strength? Paul says there's one place to find it. And when you see that, when you go there, that spirit of God will pour out. It would happen to you individually. It would happen to you in your home. It would happen here to us in the church. Vibrancy and new life and strength of God will be manifest and present in strong way. So let that be your focus, yes? As you go home, as you meet in Club, find your strength. Or let your strength come from the grace that is in Jesus Christ. You know, life change does not come from being in a Bible study where you agree with everything that's being said or even hearing a sermon where you agree with what is being said. Life change comes when you truly share your faith, when you, what, when you give away what you have been entrusted by God to others. You will see. It'll force you back to that point of grace. Every time they ask a question, you're not sure what to do. You'll be back in the book looking for it. Every time, every time they're asking for, for prayer or strength, you'll know where to go get it so you can share it. Yes? Instead of nodding, this is a good sermon or this is a good Bible study. Finding your strength in Christ will change your life. Can we stand up, friends? And I'm not really sure how otherwise to end this other than just to call us to prayer. If you are at home or wherever you might be, this is the same call for you. You can bow your knee right there in front of whatever screen you're looking at. Just ask God. Call out God. Call us. We'll love to pray with you. And if you're here also, some of you may not know the Lord. I don't know every one of you, and I don't know your story. But we're here to help you come to know that kind of strength. Some of you may realize I've given over to finding my strength in other places. May that not be the case anymore. Spend this time. We have already spent time praying. But meet with the Lord at this moment. Ask him to pour out his spirit like you have not seen it poured out in a long time. Father, I ask that you speak. Even as we sing, give people boldness to pray prayers they may not have dared to pray before, to come kneel and ask for guidance in a way they may not have done before, to come and surrender their life to Christ and say, I want to walk with Jesus Christ. While we sing, continue that prayer.